We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is January 8th, 2015. I'm DJ Trainer, not Ken Kreitz. You can find me on Twitter at TrainerDJ. I'm joined, though, by Shannon McEwen. You can find Shannon at RotoShannon. Pretty simple Twitter handle there for you, Shannon. Pretty sure eighty percent of the RotoWire guys are at Roto fill in the blank. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm Pete, not, but so no, I'm you're in not twenty percent, I guess. And there are even some of the younger guys who are like at Roto, and then they they do something like that they thought was ironic or funny. Um, Roto something, Roto guts. Yeah, I've seen some of those before. Don't know who they are, but go look for them, I guess. Uh, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find it on the RotoWire website itself. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. We'd love to have it. Four games last night, Shannon. Most notably, what looked to be maybe one of the least entertaining games of the year turned into one of the most entertaining games of the year. The young guns for the Lakers come back from a 27-point deficit. They ultimately lead by one but fall just short and lose to the Sacramento Kings, 118-115. to Did you stay up late to watch this game? I did not. I was playing basketball myself last night, so I didn't have an opportunity to watch uh, the game. But I followed along, saw what was going on. It's unbelievable to me the way the Lakers are handling things. Like, <laughs> it, it, you, 
you've got all these great young pieces that they are your future. They're they're all that matter. Uh, but they're sitting here catering to Kobe and having this this send off tour that is detrimental to the team long term. But the the management uh, doesn't seem to matter. Like they don't they don't seem to care at all. The executives, the head coach, it's just like yeah, we 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 acknowledge that we're not developing the team the way we should to cater to Kobe, but that's okay. That's what we want to do. I Okay, so at the beginning of the year, I was furious. There was a couple podcasts, you can go look them up with me, Waylon, where I was just like red in the face. I just thought this whole thing was ridiculous. Now I think they're geniuses, though, Shannon. I mean, think about it. They have a better core than the Sixers do. They're going to probably end up with a top five pick this season. They're tanking, and we didn't even know it this whole time. The Sixers are getting all the flack for tanking. The Lakers are fine. They can do this Kobe Kumbaya stuff, and we still love them for it. So you're saying they would be winning more if Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, Clarkson, those guys were kind of given the keys and were playing 38 minutes a game this year. Well, you said it yourself that they're hurting their long-term future by mm-hmm. not letting them play. So I didn't. I think Kobe jacking up a ton of shots does not help help them win basketball games. And for instance, the five starters that they had out there last night all had negative plus plus or minus ranging from negative twenty to negative fourteen. They only went four deep off the bench. Everybody off the bench had a plus plus or minus. Randall, Bass, Brown, Russell, a plus eleven to a plus twenty nine for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, Russell Russell was insane. And, and the funny part is Kobe Bryant wasn't bad last night. Like, yes, the team, he had the minus 14 plus minus differential, but he played 31 minutes. He was 10 for 18 from the floor, 28 points. I mean, he was their leading scorer for the night, but it didn't matter. Like they were down by so much while he was in the game. It it just, it's amazing to me how this works out. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's quite just like a unique situation. Um, We'll see how things continue to shake out. Kobe was the only good thing going for them in the first half. I don't even think that he played any in the fourth quarter or whatever. No. Um, Jordan, or not Jordan Clarkson, but uh, D'Angelo Russell sprained his, I think it was his right ankle late in the game, but uh, x-rays were negative, just a mild sprain, in case you were wondering. That happened very late in the game. Uh, This Kings team though I mean a 27 point deficit sure the young guns and the Lakers did a good job but I mean that's partly to blame or mostly to blame for the Kings for doing that we've seen Rudy Gay somewhat lost on this team he used to handle the ball more so than he does this year with Rondo on the team this dynamic or this core of cousins Gay Rondo maybe this year maybe next year is this a team that can make some noise in the playoff as a seven or eight seed no, I don't, I don't believe so. And I I think, you know, right now they're 15 and 21. Um, I think the fact that they had a 27-point lead at, in this game speaks more to the Lakers being so low than the, the Kings, like, hinting at a quality club. Uh, I just – Cousins is great. Um, he's getting better. He's still kind of a bonehead. I mean, he, have, he, he still has those, those – Outburst, yeah. You know, whereas Tepper's Flair, you know, he still had five, five fouls last night and three turnovers. Monster line, otherwise, uh, twenty nine points, ten rebounds, seven assists. But it's just, I know, I don't see this being much of a team long term. Um, I mean, Rondo, it was only a one year deal, I believe, that he signed. Right. On. Yeah, they just took a chance on one year deal. Pretty, pretty good for Sacramento. But I mean, he's played himself back into a sizable contract. You yeah, think yeah, definitely. Whatever team he lands with. But he's, I mean, that that makes him more to me. He he's going to be a trade candidate before the deadline, depending on the record. If they really are challenging for the eighth seed, which I don't expect they will be, um, but if they are, then sure they'll keep Rondo around. Uh, He's been. It seems like he's been on the trade block forever. Um, you know, it's Rudy Gay's new contract is actually pretty favorable. It's it's not, it's not a bad. It'll be even a better deal once the the new salary cap kicks in, in the next couple of years and keeps on going up. But I just I don't love much of what they have. I mean, you look at the additional young pieces that they've added to this team. Uh, you know, Ben McLemore hasn't been much. Um, they traded away their their lottery pick from last season. Uh, there's nothing. There's no young pieces. Like Caspi, who, who's had some solid games this year, has played well. He's not a long-term guy. I'm not seeing it. Do you, what do you, you don't think? think Caspi's long-term? 
I no. think he's a great steal for them, but I don't know if he is a long-lasting player. He didn't play last night. I mean, Bellinelli is not someone who you say he's going to be the cornerstone of our foundation or a six-man role for the next five years. I mean, what does he have? Only a couple good years left if he even has any left right now. So I, I agree that for the amount of... <laughs> sucking that they've done over the last 10 years. They don't have a lot of assets to show for it. You're completely right there. However, I will say this, Shannon, though, if you're looking at the Western Conference standings, the Jazz are the eight seed right now at 15 and 20. And then if you go all the way down to the 14th ranked team in the Western Conference, the Pelicans only have 23 losses. So you're looking at, so let's see, count them up, uh, you know, eight through 14 there, six teams could all make the playoffs. And we're talking about the Jazz, Kings, Trailblazers, Nuggets, Suns, Timberwolves, Pelicans. If you had to choose one of those, who do you think is going to rise above this team of mediocre squads in the West? Well, And that's the thing. You've got a lot of teams right there that I consider to be better than the than the Kings and who will rise above them. Utah, one, Utah's going to start playing better. Sure. They're, Gobert's going to be back any day now. Same for Favors. Once those two get back and that team's at full and they're also without Alec Burke. Once that team gets back to full strength, they're going to be really good because you've got guys like Rodney Hood who have made a step this year. Uh, I like that Utah team. They're playing a little bit better recently, even with all the injuries they have. They get blown out by teams like the Spurs, but I think they're a very competitive club, and you're going to start seeing them win playing above 500 ball the second half of the season. Sacramento right below them. I'm I'm just not a believer. I think they are are right now what they will continue to be. They'll win 40 to 45% of their games. It's not going to be enough to make the playoffs. It is currently. But it's not every I don't believe there's going to be an under 500 team in the West that makes the playoffs. Whoever that eighth seed is will be 500 or better. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Right on about the Jazz. Rudy Gobert did come back late, uh, last night. We'll talk about that game next. Uh, Alec Burks. Don't forget that Dante Exum has been out of the lineups. They've been starting a rookie Trey Lyles and a rookie Hal Neto. And, and they're still kind of humming along as the eighth seed. And so you wonder when they get their pieces back in full that they certainly could be a contender in the West. Trailblazers don't scare me because McCollum and Lillard can only do so much for that team. The Nuggets, no thank you. Suns, of course not. Timberwolves, still very young team. Pelicans is the one that we all kind of thought would rise above, but they started off so bad and they really haven't recovered much at all. They're 11 and 23, obviously, but is there any hope for them sneaking into that conversation? I do think so because because they're only you know four four or so games behind the Kings right now, four four wins behind the Kings right now. There's there's going to be opportunity if you, if you look at how horrendous the start of their season was. Terrible. Yeah. So to me, it's it's got to get better. It has gotten better already, and now they're healthy. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just Tyreek Evans that was missing. They they had substantial injuries across the board. Now they're for the most part all the way healthy. Drew Holiday's playing heavy minutes again. I expect that team to be pretty play pretty quality ball and challenge for the eighth seed. Yeah, most de- I, I agree with you. They got dealt uh, a raw deal there. If you look at their point guard situation, they started the season with Nate Robinson as their starting point guard, Ish Smith as their backup, and you look and they have four point guards now, and it's not Robinson, it's not Smith. They've got Evans ba- uh, Tyreek Evans is back, Holiday's off that minutes restriction, Cole is back, Tony Douglas isn't going to see a lot of run. But, yeah, they. I mean, for being only four games back behind Utah, I will say that Utah's got a nice little lead, and they're starting to get healthy again with Rudy Gobert coming back. Let's go ahead and shift over to that game uh the rockets take out the jazz 103 to 94 again the shorthanded jazz rudy gobert does come back off the bench 15 minutes six points three rebounds i wasn't really expecting much at all when you only play 15 minutes there's only so much you can do jeff withy continued to start and trey lyles played big 34 minutes he had been he's he's been starting for quite some time with favors out with those back spasms but what you had been seeing was trevor booker playing the majority of the minutes off the bench that wasn't the case last night. Nine points, nine rebounds, three assists, two steals, and two blocks for the young Ricky Lyles. Pretty good production out of him, although I think, you know, every now and then people of NBA caliber talent are going to have a game like that. I'm not going to go run out and jump them off the waiver wire, even if it's for the duration of Favors absence. Yeah, and really the reason, one of the reasons why he got more run last night is because Dwight Howard didn't play for the Rockets. So the Rockets went a little bit smaller than usual. Um, that meant lesser minutes for, for Withy and, and, and uh, Gobert. You know, they only combined to play 32 minutes. So essentially you have Lyles sliding over to center and getting some minutes there as well. 
yeah, most definitely. He had a nice little highlight dunk, um, although he still has a long way to go in his game. Let's talk about the Rockets. Um, Howard is out. Anytime any injury situation creeps up and he turns into questionable out of thin air, I just always assume he's out. If something like that happens, I just he uh, he always favors or leans towards out when when it's fifty fifty. Um, I will say though. Clint Capella was a fantasy darling kind of at the beginning of the season, but now Terrence Jones is back, and Montrez Harrell is somebody that's really stepped up. I know it's somewhat unfair to look at this box score since Howard was out, but if you go back and look out, these three guys are seeing right around the same amount of time, almost to the point where all three of them are valued less because they're seeing 17 to 20 minutes a game. But in DFS, are you still willing to roll with Capella on certain nights? I am. It's it's going to need to be in nights like this where Dwight Howard's out. Um, Capella had actually been he he had a nice string where he was productive even when Howard was playing, uh, but that kind of changed over the last week or two, and he, he had put up a, a few duds in a row, and I lost quite a bit of faith in him. And there's just there's too many other options, like you said, Harold, Terrence Jones. Uh, you know, you, you got Dimati. That dude's going to be back soon, getting more minutes too. It it's too risky for me. I think Capella's reached his peak for this season. Uh, for season long, I would have tried. I would have tried to trade him earlier. If he still can get something for him, it's worth it. But DFS, I'm only starting him if Dwight Howard's out. Fair enough. Um, again, I say you kind of have to throw out this box score because Howard's out. But for what it's worth, Jones played 32 minutes. Capella played 30. Montres Harrell snuck in there with 27. So something to be on the watch for if you've if you picked up Capella on the waiver wire um, and now we're kind of dealing with something else or dealing with, um, you know, not seeing that same production. Anything else about this game that you'd like to touch on? Well, so the, the Rockets are 18 and 19 now, seventh seed in the West. You know, they started off the season horribly as well. What, how, how many wins do you think they're going to get this year? You've got, you've got what, uh, we're at 37 games, 37 games in. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. 40, you got what? 45 games left to go. Yeah, I mean, so f- right now they're they're on pace to finish what forty one and forty one. I'll say that they finish with forty six or forty seven wins, so a barely above five hundred the rest of the way out. I mean, if we look at this team, Shannon, we've got James. I mean, we've got all the pieces that were there from last year. So if this team does flip a switch, no one would be surprised by that, right? No, not at all. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go. I'm right right there with you. I think the over under should be put at like. 45 46 wins Mm -hmm. i think they get a little bit close i think they're going to challenge 50 wins yeah no i I think i think you're right i mean it'll be they they need a strong second half um but i think they can do it i think they're a quality team hey 50 wins that means they have to go uh 32 and uh 32 and 13 that's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> See, that's what I, I was about to say 52 and then I was trying to do the math in my head and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, okay, we'll go I'll go with I'll go with 45 wins and be comfortable and that'll be enough to sneak into the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. And if they're the 8th seed, whoever's the one uh, well, Golden State will be the one seed, but the one seed's going to hate playing the Rockets in the first round. That is just such a horrible matchup in the first round. Hey, I'm not going to put it past the Rockets to finish as the 5th seed. Because they're only four games behind the Mavericks now. The Grizzlies are right. I mean, they basically have the same record. We talked about the muddled teams below the Rockets. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mavericks start to, to slip. They've been outperforming what I think they should have been doing this year already. The Grizzlies can slip. A Rockets-Thunder matchup, that 3-6, I could see that. And the Thunder should be worried. It'd be a raw deal if, I mean, for anybody playing the Rockets. I'm, I'm still, I'm of the belief the eighth seed in the West will manage to have 43, 44 wins. So I, I, if, if we're saying that 45 wins is about tops for the Rockets, the best I can do is seventh seed for them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's keep it moving though to Boston who loses to Chicago last night. Boston is now one in four over their last five games with losses to the Nets and the Lakers. We love Brad Stevens. Everybody loves Brad Stevens, but at some point you have to look at the pieces he's working with and decide that 
he doesn't have a perennial score. Yes, he's very good at making his guys play defense, but at some point with either the lottery or the you know the awesome picks they have coming up, or they need to trade those picks to get a score, something like that, something has to change with this team over the next two years, right? Yeah, it's actually pretty odd. Like the best scenario for this team probably would to have not made the playoffs last year. Right. Like it, it's he's an amazing coach. Uh, they're a team full of overachievers. But best case scenario is really don't make the playoffs. Get a decent pick. Have a young cornerstone to build around, um, and then and then hope that these guys like Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder um, develop into the kind of good players they are now um but despite how good they are they're still they're not guys you build a team around they're they're guys who are have certain roles within a team that can can put you over the top but it's it's an interesting place that the celtics are in right now um bright bright future though and and they're just so well coached and play so hard they're they're gonna make the playoffs they're still gonna be a decent team well depending on how well the east actually the improved east how well these teams finished Mm -hmm. i again seventh or eighth seed i expect to be over 500 in the the east as well i don't think the eighth seed's gonna have 46 47 wins like it's i mean right now it's so muddled there for those last couple spots but there's there's teams that have played well above their heads like the pacers for instance they're going to be closer to 45 wins than the 48 49 that they'd be on pace for yeah talk about muddled i mean we've seen things shift from a team being the three seed to the 11 seed within one week of basketball i mean if you go on a three game slid a skid or like the celtics have they're now 19 and 17 you can drastically drop at some point this is gonna uh you know parse itself out we'll start to see some delineation but what i wonder um for trade purposes is we have a whole lot of more buyers than sellers because they all think they're in the game and so Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if we're going to see kind of a weak trade market this year i don't think so because i mean right now it's really close and muddled but come five weeks from now as we start approaching the the trade deadline i don't think it's going to be as muddled i think you're going to see you know charlotte will see okay we're far either either we are actually going to challenge for the eighth seed or we're far enough below 500 that we can we can sell off pieces same for washington milwaukee um, brooklyn and philly obviously are out of it but all these teams i I really do feel like a lot of these teams are gonna push for as long as they can but that the week leading up to the trade deadline they're gonna know we're actually in it or we're not and you'll see teams like new york charlotte I'm not convinced Washington's going to bounce back this year. Milwaukee, in my opinion, is pretty much season's over now unless they put together like a a win nine out of ten games. Um, And and teams that are that bad don't tend to do that. No, no, exactly. So there will be teams that can make moves. Okay, fair enough. So one one thing I want to talk about before we move on, we're going to talk some DraftKings plays tonight for your Friday slate. Um, kind of in what I've seen a lot on Twitter from a lot of different media members and fans in general is is trying to assess, is it better to just get in the lottery, get a higher pick, or does uh, a playoff series, even when you get wiped off the face of the earth like the Boston did in four games to Cleveland last year, I mean, Jay Crowder gets a taste of the playoffs. Isaiah Thomas, who's been around the league but still needs that um, that that group of front court options like Olenek, Sellinger. I mean, that was a tough series, and undoubtedly they learned a lot of about what it takes to be in the playoffs. Does that? I mean, where do you rank that in terms of having uh, five picks higher? I think I think it's important that that's an important step to take. Every team needs it. Um, the experience is great, and you see, you see, there's always that learning curve in the NBA playoffs. It's like, okay, the the guys team makes the playoffs, losing the first round. Next year they get around further, round further. Eventually they're in the championship. We've seen that with almost every team. We saw it with LeBron when he was first with the Cavs. Um, my Detroit Pistons. It was the same type of thing. Um, Thunder too. Thunder yeah. started first round, and then they had a good Lakers series in the first round. They just kept progressing. Obviously, it might be a little different based on the pieces you have, but you're right. The, the difference with Boston compared to some of these teams we mentioned is Oklahoma had... 
Kevin Durant and right. Russell Westbrook and James Harden at the time, you know? Yeah. And, and Cleveland had LeBron James. Uh, Detroit was more of a team that's similar to Bo- how Boston's built right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would argue that Chauncey Billups, Richard Hamilton, uh, Rasheed Wallace, the perennial defensive player of the year, Ben Wallace, some of those guys are more accomplished and better pieces than guys like Jay Crowder are currently. Um, like those guys were a couple of those guys were legitimate all-stars. A couple of them might make the hall of fame. Uh, there's no one like that on Boston's roster right now. Uh, so, so for me, for Boston's purpose, yes, it's good. The, the experience that they gained is beneficial for that team. I just think the team that they will eventually be three years from now, two years from now, when they start to make a leap is going to be substantially different than the roster we see today. I was just about to bring that up because I mean, they have, they have Nets pick this year, then they can swap next year with the Nets and the year after that in 2018, I guess they get the Nets pick again, next Nets pick again. So they can, you know, trade those, bring in whole new people or the people they draft can be, I mean, in reality, I think this team is trending upward as we go along over the next five years but if there's only two or three of these guys on the roster at that time i wouldn't be surprised whatsoever but my only thing is like who is that going to be isaiah thomas and marcus smart and maybe olenic or something mm-hmm. like that who knows it, it's what makes it even tougher uh, in my opinion is the fact that some of the guys who you'd go out and get right now like some of those established superstars that you can build a team around carmelo anthony uh demarcus cousins they're not the most appealing dudes. Like they have, they have their flaws, you know, whether Mark DeMarcus Cousins sometimes plays like a big boob, you know, he, he, he's kind of a knucklehead Carmelo and, uh, his plays too selfish, not, a, not enough of a team player, maybe not the most efficient guy, not good at defense, whatever it may be. Um, I still think, uh, maybe not a year or two from now, but I think in his prime, Carmelo is good enough to win a championship to build a team around and win a championship. He just never was on that team that was good enough to do that. Yeah, fair enough. I think that Boston should just kind of hang tight for a little bit because if you do trade for a cousin, you have to be thinking five years in advance. We're talking about this um, this franchise trajectory, and I think they're really going to hit their peak in three to four years. And if you're going to acquire Melo, I mean, he's going to be oh, more yeah, of like a six-man off the bench no, in th- three or four years. Exactly. The only way you're doing it, uh, get, if you're getting Melo, you're saying, we're making a push this year. Right, like, right. That's right. you, this is for immediate. Uh, we're looking for immediate improvements and, and making a push. Does getting mellow make them a top two or three team in the East? No I way. don't think so. No. Uh, and that's the problem. Like, which superstar, even DeMarcus Cousins, I feel the same way. Does it make them a top two or three team in the East with championship aspirations? I don't believe so. I'm way more enticed by Cousins than I am Mello. Oh, yeah, definitely, the, uh, definitely. The, the the defensive dynamic they have right now is just you don't want to put it out of whack by adding a new – and even adding somebody like Cousins, you wonder if it's going to be out of whack. He's fully capable on defense, but if you had somebody like Mello who is just way more offensive-centered – And I in no way think they're going to trade for Mello, want to trade for Mello, or think they should trade for right. Mello. I, he was just a name that I was throwing out there, a possible superstar-level player who would be available via trade. So that's that's the question. Like Outside of Cousins and Mello – who else? What kind of player would they actually be able to get? There's not many guys who are at that level that are going to hit the market and be available via trade. And even if they are, they're, they're maybe too far along in their prime or past it, like Mello, or they're too volatile, like DeMarcus Cousins, to really say, okay, we'll give you three first-round picks for him. Yep, I, I completely agree. So it's, it'll be a fascinating team to cover. Oh, until the trade deadline. I think the trade deadline is February 15th or 16th, a couple days after. Yeah, the it's right, game. right around there. So uh, we'll keep our eye on it, of course, and we'll keep our, our eye on it on rotowire.com. We're going to go over some breaking news and notes, just a few here. Um, just so you know, I'm basically reading off what we have on our website. So if you ever want to check that out, you can for 10 free days. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's rotowire.com forward slash 
P-O-D. All right, Shannon, I know this is going to have some influence about what we're going to talk about later on today. In fact, the betting lines for Memphis's game aren't even up for any site right now because Mike Conley, with his Achilles injury, is listed as doubtful for Friday's game against the Nuggets. Now, doubtful means that there's a 25% chance that he's going to play, so he hasn't been completely ruled out. Knowing that, I think you're kind of looking towards Mario Chalmers tonight, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Mar- Mario Chalmers, if Conley sits, which is pretty much a foregone conclusion, I think he's officially listed as doubtful, but everyone's saying he's not playing. Sure. Um, I see the line may be at um, four and a half to five and a half now at some, some places. And I, and I should say we're filming this at 11 a.m. Eastern. By the time you're listening to this, of course, there's probably a line out. Um, so we've got Mario Chalmers is $4,600 on DraftKings. He came in relief of Con- Conley in the past game when Conley left with injury, and Chalmers just dominated 52 fantasy points, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, played 39 minutes. Um, that's his ceiling. He has one game like that every year, um, and it's always in a scenario like that where the, his team's shorthanded. He's not going to score 52 fantasy points again tonight, um, but he's got a good matchup. It's at home. He's going to get 40 minutes, assuming Conley doesn't play. So he's almost, he he is pretty much a lock for over 30 fantasy points, assuming Conley doesn't play. And at $4,600 on DraftKings, going up against Denver, who's one, gives up one of the most DraftKings points than any other team to guards in the league. I mean, it's about as good as it gets. You expect to see some high ownership rates there, but it's because it's worth it. Uh, Moving forward, we're going to break down each position on DraftKings, but just some more injury notes here. Jakeem Noah uh, with that shoulder injury will most likely sit out Saturday's game against the Hawks. What's that mean? What that has meant so far is that Taj Gibson has been a beast for us. Bobby Portis has gotten some minutes. Miritich, of course, is playing at power forward. Have you been benefiting in some ways from Noah's absence? Yeah, Miritich and, and Gibson have been the two I've been riding. Portis has seen a boost in playing time, um, but it's still somewhat inconsistent. You know, one, some nights he might see 25 minutes. Um, if the game goes into triple overtime, he'll see 30 minutes. Uh, but there's also been those nights where he only plays 17, 18 minutes and finishes with 7.7 boards. Um, he's good, but he's a punt play riskier. Miritich and, and Gibson are really the two guys that have been targeting, and their prices haven't gone up too much since uh, Noah hit hit the DL. Well, fair enough. Inactive list. Yeah, I think there's technically a DL for the NBA, but no one ever talks about it like they do MLB. So you no, know, yeah, it's not. There's not an official like uh, DL. It's just you're inactive, um, and that's it. Yeah, just like CJ McCollum, if your name is not circled then you're inactive and on the DL, uh, not necessarily DL. Um, I will say one thing about Bobby Portis is he's actually one of the more liked rookies in this class right now, but he's not getting enough playing time. People think, you know, what's going on? He still is learning on defense. He, he's not really that great on help side defense or not help side defense, but uh, on shifting defense and whatnot. And so, I mean, there's Taj Gibson, Noah Gasol. We're talking about very, very good NBA players here. Mm-hmm. So his time will come. If there's a big trade, you never know if you can bump into that. In season-long leagues, I'm not stashing him away. I think maybe next year that might be a good idea. We'll figure it out. But uh, do you think there's any reason maybe in deeper leagues to be stashing him to wait to see if some kind of move comes about with Denver, maybe acquiring Mello? Not not really. Mm, not this season. Um I just I don't see it happening unless there's a substantial long long term injury. Um, Noah Noah's coming back soon. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting out Saturday, but he's trending in the direction that a return is pending. Uh, Gasol's healthy. You've got Gibson. You've got Miritich. I just I am not convinced that Portis is going to get significant run unless somebody like Noah Gibson is out long term, um, many many weeks. Um, that's you know you can't predict injury i don't think a trade's going to open up the playing time unless portis is a part of the trade um you know if 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 chicago were to trade portis and and heritage to new york for, for mellow okay yeah then portis could be in a nice position him is him and zing can play together in the front court that would be fun that would be really fun 
Um, but no, I'm not stashed him away for this season. He's more of a uh, dynasty league, you know, hold. Yeah, the only reason I bring that up is because Portis and Meritage are the only younger assets they have on that team. So if they were looking to acquire someone else, um, you would think that he'd have to be a part of that deal. We'll go ahead and keep moving it, though. Steph Curry, with that chin injury, practice Thursday without any limitation, is expected to start in Friday's matchup with the Trailblazers. Really nothing much to say about that there, Shannon. We can just keep going. Alfred Payton, though, with his ankle injury, is considered questionable for Friday's game against the Nets. If he's out, does that mean that you're going to be looking at Victor Oladipo on DraftKings, where he's currently at $6,600 and has had a couple good performances, and he'd be going up against Brooklyn, another one of those teams that gives up a lot of points to guards? Yeah, the, the Conley and Payton, injuries are really the two big ones to watch for DFS tonight. Um, we've seen it the past two games that uh, Peyton sat. Oladipo stepped into the starting lineup, and he's the Oladipo of old. Um, back-to-back nights of over 35 fantasy points. His price is starting to go up. He, he jumped from 5,400 a couple of er, earlier this week, and now he's up to 6,600. Yeah. Um, but 6,600 for a guy who scores 35 fantasy points and has upside for more is still a quality price. So if Peyton sits, Oladipo is definitely in my lineup. I, I will I will be unable to avoid him. All right. So despite that $800 hike in price from um, two days ago, um, you're staying, still go with him. I will say I, I made my lineup for tonight. I have him in it. Um, last year, he was amazing. I mean, he was what you want for DFS. He can is help you out all over the place. It also it also seems like I think there's there's some traction here where I'm not sure if if Scott Scales has came out and said much about it yet, but I feel like there's traction that even after Peyton returns, Old Depot is probably going to be staking in the starting lineup, um, not necessarily taking Peyton's place they might move somebody else like Evan Fournier to to the bench um, but it'll be interesting interesting to see how it how it takes I think Oladipo is really on the upswing right now after a month or so of being down yeah most definitely and of course CJ Watson is still out so that doesn't hurt Oladipo's minutes by by any means um yeah, another interesting team. We'll watch how that shakes out. We'll we'll move it along here and, and really dive deep into our DraftKings lineup tonight. Before we do that, of course, you too can be a part of the action all season long on DraftKings.com. Now that football is over, the official daily fantasy basketball partner of Roto-Wire. With daily fantasy, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster, play whenever you want, and pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove you're the supreme GM or square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes go to draftkings.com now enter promo code rotowire to play for free draftkings the official partner of rotowire that's promo code rotohoops at draftkings.com shannon 10 games tonight the uh highest over under total i never know what to say there i mess it up every podcast is golden state against portland 213 points golden state of course is favored by nine and a half the lowest line in case you're curious about that is the knicks versus spurs at 194 and a half currently off the books although you said maybe it's back on the books is denver against memphis um my initial question to you is are you going to touch any of the five players that are ten thousand dollars or more tonight and so that'd be westbrook davis curry durant and draymond green I'm not, and one of the main reasons is because you've got Westbrook, Curry, Durant, Draymond Green. All of those guys are in games that I think are going to be blowouts. Yep. Um, and really, that just it's tough. It's tough to pick a guy when you're. If I'm ninety percent convinced it's going to be a blowout, I that means this guy's going to play 10 minutes less than usual. Um, you know, instead of Durant needing to put post 50 fantasy points for them to win, you know, he'll get 35 because they're going to have such a comfortable lead that he's going to play less. So I'm really worried about the blowout potential of a lot of games tonight. And that's kind of keeping me off those, those more expensive guys. Yeah. And I'll say on bigger game slates, I shy away from those, those guys altogether. Cause 
in general, I think you can find that value in that five to $7,000 range where you can find enough players to fill a lineup that could get you 40 DraftKings points. So I'll say that my lineup tonight, I don't have anybody priced higher than $7,400. So you can take that for what you want. I like going with the balanced approach. The only thing that throws a wrench into it is when you have Westbrook, Davis, Draymond go off for 75 fantasy points. And you're screwed. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't have ownership of them, you're screwed. So if there's if there's the cheaper options that allow you to fit one or two of the expensive guys in your lineup, sometimes I roll with it, sometimes I don't. Uh, like you, I have more of a balanced lineup. So one thing, too, everyone is always shooting for the best possible lineup, obviously. You want to win every tournament you're in. But, I mean, something needs to be said for just finishing in the money on a consistent basis. I mean, do you look at it different? Sometimes I think that um, I'm not going to go for an absolute home run. Like if I have a Shane Larkin in my lineup who's fourth, $4,700, if he gets 40, then I'm going to win every competition I'm entered in. I want to balance my lineup, just consistently finish in the money. And you know what? Maybe that's a better approach than just taking dives on all these trashy players every night. Sure, of course. And that's a big part of building a lineup, uh, a tournament lineup specifically i actually a lot of tournaments i'll enter two lineups i'm not, I'm not one of those uh, sharks that goes out there and enters 100 lineups in a yeah. tournament but there are some tournaments where i'll throw two three four five uh different lineups just because i like so many different combinations um in an individual tournament uh you know usually when i do that i'll have one that that's a little bit riskier has some of those low dollar value, high risk guys who like a Shane Larkin, who if everything goes right, he can have a monster, you know, he could have 35, 40 fantasy points um, and team them with a Westbrook, Durant, Draymond Green. But uh, my other lineup will be a safer one where it's like, okay, I'm going to, the goal is to finish in the money with this one, finish top 20% or 18% in, in the tournament and have a more balanced lineup. And that way I'm covered. You know, if that one, if that one cashes, the other one is a complete dud, then I'm good. It, cover, it covers both my entry fees. So I, I do like that approach, but I can never, I can never back away from the allure of the big, big hit. Yeah. So I, I always do both. I always do both. I, th- I think most people do. You, you get a lot of trashy lineups in tournaments and you look at head to head and say, wow, these are all quality lineups. If some, if people entered head to head lineups in tournament formats, you might actually see, you know, better quality in tournaments. I don't know. It's something we'll get our interns on that and do some stat analytics. A couple questions I want to ask you before we d- dive into your specific picks. Um, Nick Whalen, a couple days ago on our podcast, drew a, a pretty strong comparison to Oklahoma City's front court and Cleveland's front court where very solid guys you've got Ibaka and Love are the you know the two top guys but after that you've got all these just like kind of grunt worker guys and that's can and Ennis Cantor Tristan Thompson Stephen Adams Timofey Mozgov now tonight specifically how do you handle the front court options on these two teams where the back courts are loaded you've got Kyrie Irving you've got LeBron James Russell Westbrook Kevin Durant but you never know if if somebody like canner is going to go off at forty seven hundred dollars and be able to win you a tournament now in general do you stay away from these two front courts or you try to attack them when Kyrie was out i was playing a lot of kevin love now that Kyrie's back mm-hmm. um not playing uh kevin love as much abaka he's been he's been so he's been down this oh, year yeah. so really the only times when i try to target abaka is when the the thunder shorthanded if they're shorthanded kevin durant set out uh, couple, uh earlier this week and abaka had one of his best games of the yeah. season so it's going to be games like that that i'm going to target target abaka as far as those other guys uh i don't like Mozgov for tristan thompson i mean thompson has had some good games but the only time i was targeting him was when the Cavs were shorthanded and we knew he was getting 35 minutes a game he's still getting heavy run but now that the Cavs got their four full arsenal on offense. It's it's like between anywhere between seventeen to thirty fantasy points for Thompson. And and that's the thing. Even when he has a really good game, it's a fourteen point eleven rebound game with one block. The dude doesn't get many blocks or steals. And that like that limits his upside. So I'm not a big Tristan Thompson fan. Mozgov, super cheap, but I'm only gonna target him if, if the Jazz or I'm sorry, the Cavs are, are shorthanded. Uh and then on the on the Thunder side, 
Cantor's the one I really like. He's cheap, and he's shown that he's going to go out there and have some 40-point fantasy games. Is it consistent? No, but he's one of those tournament plays where it's like this this is a guy who has the upside, and once every four or five games, he's going to go out there and get 45 fantasy points. It's just hard figuring out which games those are, are going to be. Yeah, it's so tough. I, I think um, over the last month, his per-minute production was top five in the NBA, but you know what? They just have solid guys. Nick Collison, Steven Adams, Mitch McGarry is even a nice piece off the bench who doesn't see many minutes at all. But I brought these two front court options up. I mean, not necessarily a Bakken level. They are in similar situations, I suppose, where I would argue that the front court guys we're talking about are integral to these two teams making a run for the championship. But when it comes to fantasy, it doesn't always translate. And so Tristan Thompson, that's why they give him a big contract, but he's not necessarily a sneaky, cheap value play just because he's the integral part of the team. It doesn't always tra- translate to putting up production. Now, let's jump into each position here. I look, I'm looking at point guard. You've got it stacked here. And so I feel like maybe you've got a multiple lineup uh, kind of night coming up. You've got Ir- Irving, who makes sense at $6,900. We've got John Wall, Kyle Lowry, and Mario Chalmers, who we already talked about. You can only pick You can only pick three out of the four. Which one are you going to go with? Yeah, as we mentioned, Chalmers is my one guy. If, if Conley sits, Chalmers is a must-play. The other guys I really like tonight, Kyrie Irving, He's coming off back-to-back big games. Um, 40 points, at least, in his last two, and he's at $6,900. $6,900, that's so low for somebody who has has that 45-point upside. I mean, not just 40 points, 45 or more each of the last two games. And the big thing is, uh, two nights ago, he played 34 minutes. Um, You know, the coach has come out and said he doesn't plan on playing him uh, 35 to 40 minutes a game yet, Uh, but he just played 34 minutes, and he doesn't have any restrictions. So 30 minutes from Kyrie, he's talented enough. He's going to go out there and get you 30 30 to 50 fantasy points and only cost 6,900. That's great. And not to mention, he's going up against Minnesota, who he can absolutely terrorize. One of the worst defenses in the league. You love to target Minnesota, Philadelphia, Denver, Los Angeles. All, all, those are pretty much my bottom four in terms of targeting for DFS. So you got to love Kyrie Irving. Now, Wall, though, uh, let me take a look at his price. $9,400. I mean, that's that's quite a bit of price to, to pay up for. I mean, who would you possibly pair him with to offset his price? You could pair him with somebody like Chalmers. Um, you can fit John Wall. The other two guys I like are John Wall and Ky, um, Kyle Lowry. They're playing against each other tonight. Um it's not one of the highest scoring nights of the game, but or it, it's over 200 points, so that's good. Um, if it's over 200 points, that's solid. It's 202. It's going to be a competitive game, which I think that's good. That's part of the reason why I like it. And then it's it's just mostly about you look at how these two point guards have played, and they've been two of the better options at the position. Um, all season and more so for the past couple of weeks um the last 10 games john wall has been good for 43 or more fancy points in nine of the past 10 games and and five of those games are over 50 fancy points so he's he's been just ridiculous since bradley beals uh hit the shelf basically and, and then kyle lowry he's on fire right now he's he's got four games of 45 or more fancy points in a row um there's just no stop. You know, he plays 35 to 40 minutes every game. He's only 86, 8,600 for that type of production is good. Like he's, he's posting production of guys who cost a thousand dollars more than he does. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I will say these teams have already played each other twice. Wall is averaging 45 for 45.5 DraftKings points against Toronto. Whereas Lowry is only averaging 36 in the two games they've played. But like you said, he's kind of on a heater right now. and might want to ride that one out. Moving to shooting guard, we have Victor Oladipo, who I already talked about, waiting to find out that Peyton, Alfred Payton news, if he'll play, if he'll not. He's questionable. Devin Booker, youngest player in the NBA. What do you like out of him, considering he's an inexperienced player playing on one of the most disjointed teams in the NBA right now? I love his new role now that Eric Bledsoe's out. It's, it's all about the minutes with Booker. Um, he's he's played 39, 42, 22, and 32 minutes past four games. Um, that 22 minutes is kind of an abbreviation. You look at the other games, he's actually, you know, he's been on the court for the vast majority of the game. I expect that to continue while Bledsoe's out. 
he's risky. I mean, he he had two games in the past week. He, he went from 17 and a half points to 37 fantasy points. So there there's risk there, but the upside we've seen it now. Two of the last three games, 35 or more fantasy points. He's only forty seven hundred dollars. At that price, with the upside to score 35 to 40 fantasy points, he's another guy who, if you want to plug in more expensive options, you can put him in at shooting guard. And I don't, I personally don't love the shooting guard options, so the expensive shooting guard options tonight. So it's a good position to go cheaper with a guy like Booker. Yeah, most definitely. I'll, I'll agree with you there. You got to be looking for those value plays. One of the nice things about DraftKings, too, that needs to be considered is if you play on other formats or other sites or coming from season long is that three-pointers made are an extra bonus, and that obviously bodes well for someone like Booker. Kyle Korver is another guy that's probably a little more valuable on DraftKings than other places. At small forward, we're sticking with the Suns here. Toledovic, or Toledovic, excuse me. When we went over that pre, pre-pod, and I still messed it up. And TJ Warren, again, somebody, or two guys that you like, what you've seen probably more recently than at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's tough. I would say I prefer Warren. A little bit more. I think he has higher, um, in tournaments specifically, I I prefer Warren because he has higher single game upside, uh, uh, higher ceiling there. Um, But Toledovic's been the more consistent option, and he's also $300 cheaper. So, for instance, I was building my lineup uh, this morning, and I had TJ Warren in that that slot. He was $4,900, and it turned out I needed that extra $300. So I went down, I went to Toledovic, opened up $300 cash, face to, to complete my roster and be happy with everything but Toledovic's been been pretty solid he played a, about 12 minutes at center in the Suns last game um, he has scored 38 fantasy points 19 points eight rebounds three assists five for 12 from downtown um, he's probably not gonna be chucking 12 threes every game and I don't know if he's gonna get tons of run at, at uh, center going forward but he's he's gets enough volume in his 25 minutes each game that he's worth looking at at that price. I will say um, teams have had success against Miami. That's who the Suns are playing tonight with running uh, a, a stretch five, if you will, on the court with Whiteside because Whiteside just can't handle that. He becomes ineffective if he's all the way out on the wing covering somebody like Toledovic. Um, the Wizards did that almost to perfection playing Dudley at the five uh, about a month or two back. And so you never know. He could jack up. 12 threes he might be hanging out enough to get Whiteside off the court so certainly some good options forty six hundred dollars if you're looking at the kind of comparative players who are around that cj miles is forty seven hundred dollars luol dang is forty three hundred dollars and jared dudley who i just mentioned is forty one hundred power forward lamarcus aldridge he's coming off the rest popovich just rested him last time out I've been down on Aldridge so far this year. Um, He's certainly not the Portland Aldridge. We're never going to see that come back again because we're dealing with a well-oiled machine. However, his price has finally dropped to a point where you think he's worthy of a value play tonight. His his recent play has been solid. So he's $6,800. But the past three games before sitting out uh, two days ago, those three games... 34 fantasy points, 38, 41. So he's starting to trend upwards, starting to put together production comparable to what we saw in Portland, and then he sits out a game just for rest. Uh, my my hope here is, one, I think it's going to be someone else's turn to rest tonight. Um, hmm. Popovich hasn't made any announcements yet, but I think whether it's Duncan um, Kawhi, whoever it may be, yeah. someone's going to be sitting from the, from the Spurs tonight. Um, it's a home matchup against against the uh, the Knicks. As long the only the only thing that I think makes Aldridge risky is the blowout potential. Um, aren't the Spurs undefeated at home or only yeah, yeah undefeated at home? Nobody's this season. talking about that, yeah. but they are, and they're only a couple games behind the Warriors, and, and they win every game by like twenty points. Like it's absurd. Those the the most recent game against Utah was just even with Lamarcus Aldridge sitting was embarrassing. Oh yeah. So, I mean, to me. Uh, the blowout potential is the only thing that scares me. I, I think Lamarcus Aldridge is a lock for 30-plus fantasy points tonight, and he has that upside still top 40. 
I'm not in love with any of the other power forward options at the position. And that's what it boils down to is, you know, it's, there's no one else that I'm really comfortable with who's in that six to $7,000 range, which is what I'm looking to spend at power forward tonight. Um, so it's tough for me to go elsewhere. If if you do go more expensive, I'm not going to fault you for going Anthony Davis or Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. It makes tons of sense. They're awesome. Uh, but I'm looking to spend less than that at Power Forward tonight. Where would you go at the position? Man, well, let me just say, you changed my mind. You know, that, that was very convincing. I, I Yeah. <laughs> I had Thaddeus Young in there going up against Orlando, not particularly a great defensive team against the Power Forward. If you're looking at DraftKings ratings, they're 14th, so right in the middle of the league. Um, Young is somebody who's been very reliable, and so I feel like I feel safe doing that. But if I can save $600 or something like that and go with Aldridge, who maybe could have a Portland-esque perform- perform- performance. One thing that's I've been down on Aldridge all year, but his, his price is adjusted to where I feel safe in DFS using him. Last time they played the Knicks, Porzingis went for 43 DraftKings points. Aldridge went for 25, and there's no way that's going to be the same dynamic this time around, and so that's just another thing that's making me lead more towards Aldridge this time. It's actually funny he only had 25 points. He had an okay game. He was 19 points, 6 rebounds, uh, 8 for 15 from the floor. It's just he did nothing else. That was it. Um, I mean, Thad Young, Thad Young's been fantastic this season um dfs he's somewhat inconsistent but he's got multiple 50 point outings which for a guy who 7400 is kind of on the higher end of where you want to pay for thad young i prefer him much better when he was lower 7000 or you're under 7000 um but i'm not going to fault you to picking him picking him the one thing is he's got two games against orlando and he hasn't been too productive only 28.4 fantasy points per game that kind of that kind of cools my jets on him a little bit um but again i mean dude just posted 50 fantasy points uh earlier this week so he's got tons of upside for a tournament play all right fair enough i'm rock i'm rolling with him uh looking at the center position we'll we'll close up shop here with yusuf norkic is what I technically think it is, but everyone says Nurkic. We're going to roll with Nurkic. Nurkic. Nurkic and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is one of the most underrated players in the NBA, easily. Absolutely, especially in DFS. Actually, more so, I think think his DFS... his DFS strength and how solid of a play he's been in DFS actually probably that kind of is what highlights how undervalued he is. Um, Like I've been trying to trade him in our staff keeper league and, and everyone looks at his season long ratings and uh, you know, his production and they don't, it's like they don't realize how productive he is. Nobody can get up over the ankle injuries and the fact that he plays for the nets. It's, it's amazing to me. This guy, this guy's the past four games has topped 49 or more fantasy points three times, including a 52 and a 62 point outing. Uh, he's got as much upside as anyone on DraftKings who's cost under $8,000. As much upside as anyone else at that price range. Uh, I I just to me. I'm more surprised. I'm much more surprised when he has a 25 point outing than when he has a 50 point outing. <laughs> I'm expecting 40 to 50 fantasy points from him almost every game now, and and I think he, he's good for it. His rebounding's way up this season. He's at 8.7 for the year. Um, he's been he's had 15, 13, and 13 just this past week and a half. I, I love Brook Lopez. I, I'm I, I can't find anything to hate about him. He's great. And Vucevic is not somebody that I'm really intimidated of um, in terms of his matchup. Now, before we get out of here, right now in my lineup, I have Marcus Saul, $6,800. I think for a guy that can break out and give you 50 DraftKings points on any given night, now he has had 16 and 19 in his last two. He's going up against Denver again. They're they're not strong anywhere. I I like him at 6,800 dollars. He's he's at the point where he's fallen so much. If I'm going back, I mean he was up in the 7,500 dollar range a couple weeks ago. No, he's he is a great option at that price. Uh, it's it's a good matchup. The fact that Conley's out could really help him as well. Um, we've seen in other games where Conley's out, where Gasol's uh, 
he doesn't run point guard, but he's more of a distributor oh, for yeah. the team than normally. Uh, you know, he's a solid passer. He's, I mean, he's a great passer. He's one of the, if not the best passing big man center in the league. He's averaging four assists per game right now. He could easily get six, seven assists in a game when Conley sits. That would not surprise me at all. And, and when last or in my against Miami ten days ago, he had six dimes. I mean, that's the type of player he is. So that's where I would see him really upping his production for the for tonight is if Conley sits it's a night where he has six or seven assists and that goes with 20 points nine rebounds a block or two um he's great he's great at that rate um 6800 just so cheap for him I am turned off a little bit by the past two games of 16 points and 19 and a half points because that floor is like like I don't even you don't it's surprising to see a player of his caliber reach those kind of lows um especially on back-to-back games and with, with, with Brooke Lopez, I haven't seen him go that low, which is why I prefer spending a little bit more money on, on Lopez. I mean, one of the cheaper cheaper center option who we, we hinted at is Nurkic. Nurkic is only 4,800. Um, he's playing against Gasol. And I think people people should start tuning in to Nurkic. He, he's, he just returned um, in the past week. And his minutes are starting to ramp up against Minnesota on Wednesday. He had 20 in 22 minutes. He had 15 points, 10 rebounds and five blocks. Uh, good for 41 and a half fancy points. He's only $4,800 right now. He is the big man of the future for Denver. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. It's he's get, the 20. If he gets 22 minutes a game, um, I'm very comfortable spending $4,800 on him. And those minutes are only going to continue to go up. Yeah. Season long leagues, grab him right now. He should have already been taken as soon as he was activated because what we saw from him last year was, was astounding as per 36 minutes were amazing. We saw this JJ Hickson, Jokic, Lavernier. It it was never a question when, when Nurkic or Norkic was coming back, he was going to be the man. And yeah, that's a great option, man. I might have to rethink that Uh, real quick. Shannon, a lot of the players we've talked about I have in my lineup. I just want to throw a few more at you. And you don't have to look at their matchups, but just just eye test or just right off the bat. Tell me what you think. Tobias Harris going up against Brooklyn. I would want to look at see I want to look at the okay. match now. I want to see I want to see how he I want to see how he's done against Brooklyn because I know they've played Brooklyn a couple times this year. Twenty eight uh, fan or DraftKings points. That's not bad. He's at 5,700. He's a decent option at that price, but you also have to look at his recent production, 13, 19, and 13 fantasy points the past three games. There's a reason why his price is dropping. I know. I, I think I'm hanging my hat on last year the too minute, much. Yeah. The minutes uh, are him. still there. The minutes yeah. is still playing over 30 minutes game past two, um, and we know what kind of upside and what kind of player he is. So if you're just looking at, eh, he had a few bad games, but I'm going to take advantage of this, this discount, that's... That's a solid thought to have. Thank you. Uh, Otto Porter, Zaza, Pachulia are the last two guys in my lineup tonight that we have not talked about. Pachulia has been incredibly reliable for just being $6,000. I'm looking at his 10-game log now. He has not logged under 34 DraftKings points since the day after Christmas. He really is amazing. Um Waylon and I talked about him quite a bit uh, recently as well. He's he's another guy. I mean, six thousand dollars at the center position for the type of production he's been putting up um, is great. So if if you want if you're convinced he's going to continue producing at that thirty four thirty five point range, do it. I mean, he did thirty four points against Milwaukee and talked trash about it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on and does the same thing tonight. Uh, Greg Monroe is not a hard person to make a fool of. Yeah, it shouldn't be tough for him. Otto Porter's the other guy um, with. Uh, so they played Toronto twice, and he's has tw- he's averaging essentially 30, 30 fantasy points. So that's pretty good for fifty nine hundred dollars. Not to mention Damari Carroll is out, and I think he probably was squared up against Damari Carroll a couple of times when they played in the past. Going up against Johnson and Ross is who I'm assuming he might see some time against. Certainly not intimidating whatsoever. I think this this might be Ross might get the start tonight. Um, Johnson and Ross are kind of supposed to be rotating, and they're both going to see starts uh, while while Carroll's out. I would guess, you know, Johnson gets started against a guy like Cle- uh, Cleveland and LeBron James. That totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think with Porter, it might be Ross who gets to start, which would be 
probably be better for Porter. I, I think that would favor Porter. Yeah, I um, think the knock on Ross is he's amazing from beyond the arc. He extends the court, but defense not quite there as much mm-hmm. as Johnson. So I I do I do like Porter. He has really turned it on of late as well. Um, he's kind of reached new heights with this game. I mean, he hit a 50-point fantasy outing on, on January 1st. I don't expect him to see kind of hit those levels on a regular basis, but the 30 points that he's hit routinely uh, the past five or six games, yes, he, he probably a sure bet for 30 fantasy points tonight. Um, like John Wall, I love him even more because while Brad Beal's out, just higher volume shot, more responsibility. Um, and I can't speak enough. My love for Otto Porter has been well documented uh, <laughs> via this podcast. Yep. One of the few dudes in the NBA who can get one block, one steal, and, and one three-pointer a game. He's, I love him. I love that skill set in NBA players. Yep. He should be interesting. Certainly someone to keep an eye on over the next or the rest of the season and a couple seasons. That's going to do it for us. Shannon, do you have any lasting words of wisdom that you'd like to drop on us? win some money on DraftKings tonight fools that's all you need to know uh, next Friday I'll be back but now with Shannon uh, it sounds like I'm going to be a permanent fixture on this Friday for better or worse um, if you don't like it hit me up on Twitter and I'll block you otherwise uh, I'll be back with Ken next Friday Shannon I'm assuming in two weeks it'll be me and you yeah I'll make my way back Everybody's looking forward to it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. This has been the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. We're off for the weekend, but on Monday, tune in for Josh Hayes and Benny Ricciardi. Thanks so much for joining us. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.